This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. Our guest this week is Mike Brown, President of the National Chicken Council. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by America's crop insurance industry. With a challenging economic climate and uncertain weather outlook, the private sector crop insurance industry infrastructure protects over 290 million acres of farmland. Crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Mike Brown of the National Chicken Council next. America's crop insurance industry is thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net. With crop prices falling, farm incomes plummeting, and Mother Nature wrecking havoc, the private sector crop insurance infrastructure is more important today than ever, providing individualized protection on more than 290 million acres of farmland. Crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. All of U.S. agriculture is in the midst of a multi-year cyclical downturn. Mike Brown, president of the National Chicken Council, says the broiler industry has seen its challenges but is in a relatively strong position today. I'd say where we are right now is in a, a very strong position. Our, our prices are holding well, and uh, this is that time of year where the chicken industry is very optimistic. Let's talk about the consumer. What are bright spots that you're finding either in consumer trends or patterns here domestically, and then how about globally? Well, here domestically, there's there's great opportunities. Not 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 only in through food service where you're seeing more and more chicken products brought online in new lines, but just go through the grocery store and look at all the chicken products that are uh, from from the fresh case uh, and the cuts right on up to the uh, other sections of the store where there's uh, ready ready to make and microwavable chicken products, and uh, the consumers are just eating it up. When we think about issues on Capitol Hill, a new Congress and a new administration, what are your hopes? Well, we have great hopes. Uh, not only am I optimistic, uh, the industry's optimistic, and I think you feel that sense of optimism and excitement in the country uh, as a whole and, and here in Washington. And my hopes are that we're going to be able to work on uh, you know, a number of issues that are critical to us in uh, not only maintaining our business but growing our business. Certainly we have a, a GIPS rule out there that we still need to work on. We see trade opportunities out there. Uh, you know, immigration reform, I think, will come in a variety of ways. And, and in the labor force, generally, generally working out there, there's, there's great, great optimism. We have the House of Representatives that has approved legislation already that would uh, make it more difficult for the executive branch to offer regulations and then perhaps even to repeal some of those that have been offered in the 11th hour by the administration. A similar piece of legislation failed a couple of years ago in the Senate. Uh, my question is, how has the regulatory environment under the Obama administration, has it been a catalyst or has it, has it stymied growth and opportunity for you? Well, I think we've seen the relationship, the constitutional relationship between our uh, um, legislative and executive branch change, quite frankly, 
over probably more than 30 years. With Congress giving more and more authority or the executive branch taking more and more authority from Congress. You could even see that in the way trade bills are considered and other avenues. Also, I think what you see is legislation nowadays that gives less direction to the executive on how to go forward with the rulemaking process. And we've seen the executive branch take great liberties at expanding upon what Congress has intended in their regulatory process. And there's probably no greater example of that than the GYPSA issue itself. Talk about that GYPSA rule. There are those who are staunchly in favor. There are those who staunchly oppose saying it'll bring about the demise of the livestock industry in the country. Why do we need new regs under GYPSA? And with regard to the poultry industry, where do these fall? Well, why we need these, those new regs, I have exactly the same question. And as I said earlier, uh, we've seen grower satisfaction surveys of over 80%. So I would uh, reform uh, your question to say there is an industry out there, there that is thriving. There are poultry growers that are happy with their relationship with our industry and the success that we enjoy. And then there are those few that are dissatisfied. But, you know, the farther we get from 2008 Farm Bill, the farther we get from reality when people talk about GYPSA, and I see comments in, in the media on GYPSA. You go back to the 2008 Farm Bill, you had one general farm group out there and a former member of Congress from Iowa that were pursuing packer ownership bans for beef and pork and mandatory country of origin labeling for those products. Now, during the discussion of the Farm Bill, the packer ban issues were withdrawn, and we all know what happened to mandatory cool for beef and pork. Uh, despite what USDA and those, uh, those groups advocated it would do, USDA lost twice at the WTO, the pork and beef industries lost millions of dollars, and consumers paid more before it was finally rectified. I think as the president-elect would say, not good. With regards to the chicken industry, we agreed uh, to a provision in the Farm Bill of 2008 uh, that would address arbitration provisions and poultry contracts, and we'd also agreed to a study of the industry. Fast forward to 2010-2011, when it came time for Gypsum to write the rules. So the administration selected not only a trial lawyer to lead GYPSA and write the rules, but a trial lawyer that made a living suing the meat and poultry companies that he was now going to write the rules for. And if you've seen any of my prior statements on this issue, it was a dream come true for trial lawyers. And the administrator took the liberty. Well, let me back up first and say the vast majority of the GYPSA rules, as intended and passed by Congress, were codified into the rules. It were those provisions where the administrator went outside the law, took great liberty in creating law, and put a stranglehold on the beef, pork, and chicken industries. And Congress recognized this. And five times Congress has tied the hands of the USDA and said, that they were not our intentions. You must halt. Then, earlier this year, uh, while they were reviving the GYPSA rules, USDA testified before the Senate, Agri uh, Senate Appropriations Committee be uh, and said that uh, the reason they were reviving the rules was because of some facts they found during the avian influenza outbreak. And the funny thing is, chicken, beef, and pork were not impacted with AI. So perhaps there are other reasons. Now here we are at the end of administration, midnight, 
and the current administration wraps up a gift for that general farm group that was an ally going back to the 2008 Farm Bill and giving a gift to these trial lawyers. I mean, let me be clear. This affects chicken, beef, and pork. It's madness. It's reckless. And we will work to defeat this. And I'll be also further clear on this. This is not what the broiler belt voted for. Let's say that you and I are both poultry farmers and we raise for the same integrator. And I'm getting more birds and higher prices for flock than you are. What recourse do you have if you feel like you're not getting a fair deal from your integrator? What's on the books now and how will these new regs change that? Okay. Well, first of all, Jeff, let me apologize. I get riled up on this. This is our Super Bowl issue, and uh, and that's how I get there. Well, I guess the way I would feel about that is how would you feel if you were sitting next to me in the second grade and you got an A on your paper and I got a B? Uh, who gets the trophy? Uh, it's a very competitive atmosphere out there with growers. They all have contracts you know, with a floor in them, and those growers that do a better job, just like the kid sit next to you in class that may do a better or, or less lesser job than you uh, on your job assignment uh, is rewarded. It's pretty simple. But in any environment where where people are ranked, you know those that aren't ranked at the top, uh, you'll hear from. So when I interviewed Senate Ag Chair Pat Roberts, he suggested that if these stay in place that you would turn the cattle market, you would turn others into simply a commodity business, and that's it, with no reward for the better producer. Well, I don't see the rewards. Again, this has been uh, debated since 2008. The proponents of this have had plenty of opportunity to try to make economic sense of this, and they've not been able to do so. And quite frankly, the integration of the chicken industry has benefited the grower, it's benefited the industry, and it has saved consumers over a trillion dollars since 1980, our business model. And you see the beef and the pork industries are out there looking for their own models to maximize their, their economic footprint. And this clearly stands in the way. And frankly, this is an assault on animal agriculture. Why would somebody out there even consider to getting into this this business nowadays if they can't realize you know opportunities to excel and and to compete? Do you anticipate action, litigation, legislation that would turn these regs back? I don't anticipate action. I expect action, and every one of those forums are open to us to take that action. Let's talk about other areas of the the industry. How important is global trade to the chicken industry? And and how important are trade agreements to the industry? Well, global trade is is critical to the chicken industry. We have grown to an area now where, well, just before the AI and some trade uh, blockades came up, we export about 22% of broiler products. Uh, and that's uh, simple math there. That's two out of every uh, every 10 birds that we grow go to the export markets. Uh, uh, we export uh, you know, around the world today, and uh, we see great opportunities with the new administration coming in. I haven't heard the president-elect say he was against trade. I've heard the president-elect say he's against trade barriers. In fact, he even mentioned beef on many of occasions when he was discussing uh, automobiles from Japan and them not taking our beef. 
and uh, the president-elect is listening, he should know that we have many of those same problems uh, confronting chicken around the world. So it's critically important to the growth of our companies. It's critically important to growing jobs in our country. It's critically important to bringing more growers into our industry. Can we satisfy the needs of the agriculture industry and also the Rust Belt because both played a role in electing this, this, this uh, new president? I think we uh, can certainly satisfy the needs of both. We are interdependent upon each other. Uh, uh, that's our, our food go to these cities, and these cities, uh, whether it's infrastructure or other uh, economic opportunities that the new administration is looking to make, is, is quite fine. And the agriculture industry, uh, uh, you know, will greatly benefit. Of course, we also have our, our issues uh, out in rural America, and whether you're talking about industries directly or internet access for, for rural Americans, whether that are involved directly in farming or not uh, to our to our roads and our ability and our infrastructure to move our product not only around the country but throughout the world. So, uh, yes, I think we've always had competing interests in this country, and there's no reason why we all can't win together. The Food and Drug Administration praising the agriculture industry, the feed industry, for work that has been done on antibiotics and the livestock production. Uh, have these steps been positive for the poultry industry, and do you think they're positive for the consumer as well? I think they're they're positive, uh, you know, for all of us. Um, as you know, as the ball dropped on New Year's Eve, it's now illegal to give antibiotics to livestock and poultry, you know, for weight gain. Uh, now, of course, if it's medically important, uh, antibiotics can and will be used to treat to treat our birds. Uh, uh, and that would only be done by by a veterinarian. So our members have been, you know, well ahead of this deadline. We've been prepared for it, and we are all in in full compliance with it. Having said that, there's a broad market out there, and consumers want and look for various products. And we're going to continue to make those various products available. But one thing I want your listeners to be aware of is there are no antibiotics in the chicken meat that they purchase. Whether an animal was treated or not with an antibiotic for a health need, those antibiotics must be out of the bird system and no trace amounts in that meat before the consumer enjoys it. They're tested, aren't they? They are tested. And what happens if one was found to have a residue? They would be diverted from the market. Um, I always say, and, and I've, nobody's been able to rebut this, that after nuclear power, we're the most regulated industry in the country. We can't open our, our shop doors without the government in, in our plants inspecting our food products. Uh, and it's been that way in the poultry industry since uh, the mid-1950s and in the meat industry since uh, the early, uh, probably back to 1906, if my history serves me correct. On Capitol Hill, there have been a number of strong issues that Congress has failed to address. One of those is immigration. How would immigration reform, or, or is there need for immigration reform that would benefit the poultry industry? And if they don't, what does it mean? Well, I think immigration reform uh, certainly needs to be addressed, not not only for, for the chicken industry, but for, for all of America. 
uh, the chicken industry, I think, can play a vital role in immigration reform. As you know, uh, our industry, along with the red meat industry and other areas of agriculture, are very dependent uh, upon uh, labor. Uh, Oftentimes, they're new Americans, whether they were the Irish or the Germans uh, coming in, uh, you know, through the upper Midwest in the meat business and, and some of the great brand names that have those families that start at those businesses that are still out there today and even today. But we've also been going back probably to the 1990s, focused upon uh, with regards to uh, to our uh, um, employees and did they have legal status or not. So the meat and poultry industry has over 20 years of experience working with and improving E-Verify. We want to make sure our employees are eligible to be in our plants. We have that experience. Uh, we have opportunities to share that experience with the incoming administration and be what I like to call a virtual border, uh, which is very helpful. Also, we do need a stream of employees that we can rely on that will come to work for us. Uh, in the last Congress, I believe it was uh, House Judiciary Chairman Bob Goodlatte had introduced a bill, and that bill would have paved at least a three-year window for folks that were in this country working in our plants and uh, complying with our laws on all levels you know, to continue to work before any other actions would be determined. So I'm very open-minded. To how we do immigration reform, I just think it's going to be talked about and likely done differently than it's been discussed in the past. I don't think we're going to see one great big comprehensive immigration reform as has been discussed in the past. I think the president-elect has made it quite clear he wants to begin with border security. So whether it's the border security and the virtual border of E-Verify or looking how we put together visas and making sure our factories can operate at a level to continue to contribute to our great economy. I look forward to working with the president-elect from soup to nuts on immigration reform. Mike, there's one other issue I wonder if you'd be willing to comment on. looks to be that this Congress is going to begin to address farm policy and perhaps a new farm bill uh, with hearings in 2017 and hopefully, uh, according to some, written on time by 2018. Are there things that the, the National Chicken Council, the, pro, the poultry industry, would want to ensure uh, a remain as a part of policy or those that should be reconsidered? Well, um, during the farm bills, an ideal farm bill, the chicken industry or uh, is not in the farm bill. Uh, we, we don't have uh, re- requests or requirements or uh, programs that we seek uh, directly as a broiler industry. But we certainly do see the importance of these farm programs and the safety net that they provide to uh, to the farmers, uh, regardless of what commodity they're in, but particularly our corn and soybean growers. As you know, you know a pound of chicken is two pounds of corn uh, and, and a whole lot of soybeans uh, mixed in, too. So uh, we not only uh, use corn ourselves, but... Uh, whether we're whether we're making a pound of, a pound of meat for for this uh, domestic market or the international market, we're we're moving those products too. So just like our growers are critical to us, all of our suppliers are critical to us, and we'll 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 work shoulder to shoulder with the farm groups to make sure that um, they can continue to flourish. Mike Brown, we want to thank you very much for taking time and your busy schedule here at the beginning of 2017 to visit with us here on Open Mike. Mike, it is Open Mike, and sir, you have an open forum. Well, with that, let me give you a final thought. And my final thought to you and your listeners is eat more chicken. 
and have a happy new year. Our thanks to National Chicken Council President Mike Brown, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by America's crop insurance industry. Thankful for the continued support of farmers, commodity organizations, rural businesses, lenders, and lawmakers who are fighting to maintain a strong farm safety net. Crop insurance remains the smartest, most efficient way to secure America's food, fiber, and fuel supply. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Allen. 